Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Quinn Aiden podcast. I'm your host, Quinn, and I am super, super excited for today's episode with Brent De Silva. I've been buddies with Brent for a few years now, and he is an incredible studio dog photographer based in Brampton, Ontario, which is the greater Toronto area. So anyone looking for a dog portrait in the Toronto area, you have to check him out. Uh, BrentDSilva.com is his website. Uh, and he specializes in you know, family pets, puppies, but he also does commercial work for some brands in the pet industry. So any brands out there that are looking to uh, get some content, get some high quality images, uh, be sure to hit up Brent. He's a really, really great human and uh, we had a great chat. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, this, is, this is Brent and uh, we've been buddies on Instagram for I want to say like three years. Is that about right? Something like that with, uh, with COVID time has become a weird sort of blur, but it feels like somewhere around three years. Yeah, it is a, it is a blur. Uh, but basically, uh, I, I think the way that I found you was just because your images like stood out to me right off the bat. So for anyone that's watching or listening, make sure you go check out Brent, tell, tell people your, your Instagram page and they'll get a good idea of the kind of work you do right off the bat. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. It's Brent De Silva. It's B-R-E-N-T-D-S-I-L-V-A. And he's and, the dog uh, photographer. That's that's uh, that's my <laughs> thing. Yeah, the dogs. So your whole thing, and I know you've you've dipped into other uh, photography uh, portraits, stuff like that. But um, well, I mean, sorry, human portraits, but dog portraits are your bread and butter, right? And this is pretty much from my from what I understand. This is sort of where you got your start with photography. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Um, I started off initially, I think like most people, I was just photographing anything and everything. Trees, friends. That's what we do. Traffic, whatever it was, right? Street (laughs) photography. I just took my camera everywhere. And uh, of course, amongst all of the different things that I was photographing, my, my dog was one of them. And... When I started to share those photos online, just just casually, I had other friends asking me to photograph their dogs too, and it uh, it took off from there. It snowballed from there, and that's when I sort of found uh, a specific niche that uh, you know I, I really enjoy. And that was actually one of my main questions. I, I guess we're getting into it a little early, but um, the niche factor, I feel so for myself. I don't have. I never had a niche. I guess my niche was always sort of like uh, corporate, um, but I lacked like a real, a real strong niche like you have. And I, I see and I saw how fast you're able to grow with the niche. And do you think that having that real specific niche, and we're not even talking animal portraits, we're talking just dogs, right? And I know you'll do the other stuff, but you really focused on dogs. And do you think that really helped your business grow as fast as it did? Because it, it took off real fast. Absolutely. Um, I think that was one of the most important things for me, uh, personally, I really got to focus on one thing and, um, create a system around the, the dog photography, uh, experience itself. Uh, I got to really focus on that and I kind of put my foot down and stopped, um, you know, trying to do headshots and then, and, and do events and, and then also do some dogs here and there, which was, uh, for me, a little bit overwhelming because it's all very different in terms of, of how those shoots go in terms of, you know, the type of, uh, communication that you have with your clients and whatnot. So when I really sort of, uh, got razor sharp and focused on the dogs, it did absolutely help my business. Um, like I said, for me personally, and then for my clients as well, or maybe not even just my client, just for my brand in general, I found that people would find my work and they would say, if they like dogs or they in particular liked my style of dog photography, that's how I kind of would hook them in as opposed to them coming and seeing my work and they're seeing, okay, this guy photographs some nice things and maybe they're good photographs or whatever, but they may say that, uh, you know, I photograph trees and I photograph people and there's some kids and there's some, maybe some corporate headshots exactly. and there's some dogs too. And, um, necessarily what they want to uh, follow and have in their feed and their feed on Instagram, for example. 
So uh, maybe they wouldn't, you know, come to my page and hit follow. But when I really focused on dogs, and then I, I remember it was a very specific uh, decision that I made where I said, I'm going to stop sharing other photos and it's going to be just dogs. And um, that was difficult for me, actually. And uh, I, I still kind of feel this um, a little bit of like, uh, I guess it's like a little bit of uh, sadness because I have some great photos that I really like of yeah. things that aren't dogs that I that I don't feel um, it's best for my business to share them, you know, on, on Instagram. Um, of course, we could share, you know, stories that are temporary and whatnot. But uh, that, that was a difficult decision for me to make, but I, it was something that I had to do because um, I recognized that uh, specialization uh, was going to help me a lot. And like I said, it helped me personally with my business and then, of course, with my brand too. Yeah, that's... Uh... I mean, I, I struggle with the same thing. I don't, I'm not uh, as good at not sharing the stuff as you are, <laughs> unfortunately. But yeah, I think that, you know, not having a niche and I've, I've learned this over the years and I haven't really followed my, uh, my gut with it, I think, because um, what ends up happening for me is I just get, um, I get pulled into other jobs. So some other stuff comes up um, and then I, seems like I don't have time to niche, but, but what you're saying is like, you don't really need or what I'm sort of getting from you is you don't need time to niche. You just have to do it right. You, you don't, you just have to strip it down to, to one specific thing. I don't think in, in my head, I have it built up as this big endeavor. Like I need to make a whole new business model and whatever. And I'm sure that became a part of what you did. Obviously you've got your dog shirt on here. So you've, You've branded, you've got your logo, you've branded yourself as the dog photographer. Um, so there, there, that is a part of it. But like you said, you just started by just posting dog photos, right? Right, exactly. And there is something to be said, of course, about being a little bit more flexible with the things that you do share. Um, it shows that you're multidimensional and I feel like it's a little bit more personal um, because you get to show that, look, I'm, I'm going out on a trip and I'm taking some landscape photos. I'm not just a corporate headshot guy, or I'm not just an event guy or, or, uh, a person that does, uh, I think you did automotive stuff as well. It shows that you're a multidimensional person, right? And, uh, of course Definitely. there's another component when it comes to brand and that's the personal aspect, right? We're not just connecting yeah. with your work and your art. We're connecting with you as a person. And so we get to see that from like uh, from your approach as well. I see that you are a person with a life who goes out and does more than just a particular niche. And for me, that's something that I've recognized is that I'm kind of um, I, I I've, I'm guilty of not putting out as much personal things as I would like to, or is that mm -hmm. I feel like I need to. Sometimes I think my page is just a page of a bunch of dog photos, and there are pages on Instagram that just kind of repost cute dog photos. Um, which they oh. kind of curate from all over, right? And people follow them right. uh, just to see those photos and just enjoy them on their feed. And so sometimes I think I'm just kind of like that and I got to be a little yeah. bit more personal and show that I am a, I am a, a, a person that creates these photos myself. Yeah. I'm, you know, I have more to my life than just photographing dogs. And so there is something to be said, of course, about being a little flexible. And um, it's something I got to think about too because... Um, I neglect to post a lot of stuff on my story, which I think is a safe place to branch mm -hmm. out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, it with, and it's all about the algorithm in a way too, you know, that there's something there with that too, or not even the algorithm, but social media, people like to see just the dogs. Uh, they don't like to see, like you said, they don't like to see all of the, and, and this is like, irrelevant of whether or not it's a client potential client or not people just scrolling they like to just see like one cohesive page oh i'm gonna follow this person because all they post is dogs and i want to see more dogs right so right it's not only from a, a client generation standpoint i think it's it's also uh in in getting the followers right because i i don't get those random followers because um i don't have that and also you've got a you've got a great niche dogs who doesn't love dogs i mean i mean maybe some people i i'm a you know i'm a huge dog lover i've got two dogs um that's what drew me to your photography 
um, not only the fact that it was amazing, but uh, it was dogs. So that yeah, that thanks so right much. Up my Thank alley. you. Yeah, um, thanks a lot. So in in that vein, then let's talk about your style and how you were able to develop um, that style. Because any for anyone who hasn't, you should again go check out Brent's work on Instagram and also on your website. I, I would assume it's it's up there. Um, but um, yeah, go do that. But if you haven't, Brent takes some really, basically they're really kind of close up. Um, a lot of them, I would say, uh, the dogs get real nice and close to the lens. I feel like you're using a wider lens, uh, yeah. a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, talk about your process and, and how did you develop the process? Was that something that came quickly or was it just trial and error? I got a lot of inspiration initially, and I'm still very much inspired by Platon, photographer who uh, has photographed a bunch of presidents, great artists, actors. He does a lot of black and white work. Mm -hmm. And his kind of uh, rebellious side is to use a super wide angle, which, of course, if you, if you know about you know, portrait photography theory, it's something that we generally would say we're not supposed to do that we're not supposed to distort the subject with with right. super wide angles and I, I really liked his style because it was different and uh it was, it was very simple in that way and i kind of started applying that to dogs and i found that being super wide with be, having a super wide focal length um it, it was a unique style it was a perspective that uh, people haven't necessarily seen their dogs in before, so that gave me a little bit of a uh, a, a strong uh, attractiveness to my work because people can say, "I never saw my dog with you know such a huge nose, or I never saw them uh, with such a big head," you know, for example. And so that's what I want to do as well. I want to give people a, a perspective of their dog they may have never seen before. Um, Very cool. And it lends itself to the fact that I can be so close. And which is very important for me because I get to uh, engage with the dog directly. I get to pet them, give them treats. Um, and in some cases, right. quite literally just trap them to be on the backdrop <laughs> where they can't run away because I'm right there. So yep. it, it all kind of came together in that way. And so the, the wide angles really contributed to my style like that. Um, very cool. As well, I, I use like a, uh, a kit lens. So I, I shoot on a crop sensor with uh, an 18 to 200 millimeter Canon uh, wow. kit lens, right? And so it's not like super sharp or like top of the line gear. It's like entry level gear you can pick up for like a couple hundred bucks. But because I have that strong, uh, really wide uh, focal range, I get to create those super wide angle shots. And then I can take a step back and zoom in on like a really, uh, a, a really uh, nice sort of headshot. Uh, so I get to be very flexible like that. And so that all contributes to my style as well. Um, how I developed my style was just over time was just kind of, I think getting a little, getting a little desperate to want to, to give as much as I could to my clients. So I just kept mm. trying different things. I wanted to try and give them like as many different styles of photos that they hopefully would like at least some of them. Right. And that came from a bit of insecurity as well. For sure. So I wanted sure. to do like, a, a, I would think, okay, I'll photograph them on the white background and then maybe they don't like the white. So I got to do like another color and then I got to try with like a super wide angle lens and then I'll do the same kind of shot with like a, a more of a, uh, a traditional focal length. Right. And so I would give like such a huge variety of things, mostly out of insecurity because I wanted them to, like I said, just like, like something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's there'll, how there'll, I got to be something they like in there. Right. Like. Right, right. Yeah. And, and so that's how I uh, developed my style by just trying to find different ways that I could that I could do this. So that's how I also started experimenting with different lighting setups. And um, one thing I really like to do is use gels. So a lot of people, maybe they haven't seen their dogs uh, lit up with different colors. Absolutely. And so, and so that's uh, another thing that I that I kind of uh, that's kind of become a sort of staple of my style is is the gels. And definitely. That too, it came about because I just, I wanted to make sure that they liked something, right? And um, and that's kind of how my style came about. Um, and I, the I also, editing too, right? You you had a big, uh, there. I, I feel like there was, at some point your work, I could just see it just 
took off like the i don't know if it was the combination of the lighting and and you know you just kind of dialed it in um but i feel like your editing got to a new level too which brought the photos to a new level too Great. Thanks so much. And I, I appreciate that you noticed that too. I was actually just today before our, our talk, I was looking back at some older photos and uh, there were photos that I loved. I felt like my clients loved them. I was happy to share them, really proud of them. And I'm looking back and I'm looking at the, uh, the retouching that I had done, like the color correction, I just overdone it. And I think okay. when I toned it back, mm. um, that's where I felt things really got a lot more, uh, uh, I feel like my work took, went to another level just when I stopped putting too much effort so into, heavy. The, yeah, <laughs> into the retouching. And when I say yeah. the retouching, I mean mostly the color correction. I was pushing the contrast like way too much. I wasn't mindful of like my highlights being blown out. And a lot of my photos, I look back and the highlights are blown out. And I thought, I don't know how I didn't notice this before. I, I yeah. guess. Um, like, just you know, your some eye. Dogs, right, right. I was just blind to it. Like yeah. some dogs have like white, you know, like uh, patches and whatnot, and they're all blown out in a lot of these photos. And I was just thinking, I'm I'm happy that I have those raw files still, so one day I might be able to go back and 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 improve on my color correction. But that definitely was uh, a key thing that took my work to the next level was when I just stopped being so heavy-handed with with pushing the colors too much. Interesting. Um, my style isn't to uh I, I don't do a lot of um tone stuff like i don't change the the i don't add color tones to the shadows and whatnot like you may do in like you know like a nice landscape photo or like street photography i don't do any of that yeah M mainly because i don't have the skills to do it i don't want and i also i just want people to look at their dog and have it kind of be realistic in a sense yeah, as opposed to the sure. white balance being all weird and stuff. I want them to just see their dog and not be like, what did this guy do? Um, so I, I just, I don't really touch that. And I just make minor adjustments to the shadows, minor adjustments to the, to the, the black levels, exposure, of course. But when I just kind of took my foot off the gas on the color correction, that's where I, I, I felt like my photos were, they had less, less mistakes in them i feel like anybody can look at this and maybe say mm -hmm. maybe there's some room to improve but it's it's not as like blatantly obvious as it was in the past yeah like i said a lot of my photos the highlights were just completely gone well but you know it's making me think though because you said that you use a crop sensor um you're not using some seven thousand dollar camera body and you're not using like a three thousand dollar lens you're using a kit lens and, and a crop sensor so there is less, you don't have the dynamic range um, that some of these higher end cameras do. And a lot of photographers, what a lot of photographers I think don't realize is it's actually really good to learn on a camera. Not, not to say that you're learning, but that's what you were shooting on. And you honed your craft with that camera and didn't rely on the dynamic range and didn't rely on your ability to bring the highlights, dial those highlights back. You had to nail nail it in camera. You have to nail it in camera more than when you have all of that dynamic range to work with and all that, right? Right, so right. It's kind of like we're like learning guitar on a shitty guitar and then you, you get a good guitar and you're like, what is this, right? Um, it's a similar kind of thing. So starting with uh, that, that tool and so what why haven't you upgraded uh like your gear um is it's obviously not important to your to what you're doing right now maybe if you were to you know branch off into other types of photography you would um but it's working obviously very clearly it's working um so is there a reason specific reason why you're sticking with your current setup just cheap man <laughs> um <laughs> No, like I, I, I would like to upgrade. It's just when I look at it from a business point of view, I see the uh, the amount that I would spend on a new camera, yeah. and I recognize that if I were to put that into like uh, some some marketing, I could I could get a lot exactly. more bang for my buck out of it. Um, prints, you do the prints, you put them all over the place on on your wall. Right, Huge. right, right. Of course, the camera is like it's your main tool. It is something that should be, uh, you know. 
purchased with with a lot of thought and uh, and and not something that you know we just grab any camera off the shelf and go. It's something that we should think about. And I and I do have like um, some reasons that I use the crop sensor mainly because uh, I, I can use that really wide focal range from eighteen to two hundred. There are no lenses like that for uh, full frame cameras, mm -hmm. as far as I know. I don't think that there exist. And uh, I like that because the dogs don't stay just in one spot like a, like a person does. If the dog wants to run away or run towards you or run away from you, I have to be able to quickly zoom in and out. Otherwise, we're going to be there all day hoping that they'll just sit and stay and then I'll, yeah. I'll back up and get in position and all that kind of stuff. So I like having that wide range. It gives me uh, like this, this real superpower where i can i can capture something no matter what the dog is doing as long as they're in general generally speaking somewhere on the backdrop with the light facing them um I, like i was saying in all those photos where you know i'd push the highlights too much for example feedback i got back from my clients was always this is awesome i love it yeah i didn't even notice right yep and if you don't notice as a photographer at that time, they're not going to notice. But it is something that you notice down the line, right? Right, right. And so when I think about it, I'm like, I'm not a pixel peeper. It's mostly only like camera nerds who are super pixel peepers yeah. uh, who are looking at, you know, the, the dynamic range or like how sharp it is and what whatever. And uh, I really don't feel like my clients are, are doing that at all. Um, yeah. And so I don't see that as a necessary uh, uh thing that I have to upgrade so soon um, just to sort of satisfy this non-existent requirement to have like <laughs> these these like you know 100% perfect images that yeah. at, at like you know like zooming into the pixel level I don't I don't see that as uh, something necessary um, no. if I was doing other work like uh, commercial work or work that um, maybe for like big agencies that of course, have a super high level, high, high, uh, high standards. They're already working with a lot of photographers that are producing this type of high quality images, like uh, from a technical uh, standpoint. Then, of yeah. course, I'd recognize I got to step it up. I can't, um, you know, be this guy with a crop sensor camera. But for some reason, I'm able to get away with it. And for a while, I mean, I still kind of wonder what the what the hype is all about these these crop sensors when shooting in a studio at like you know ISO 100 um, with really bright flashes. There is the dynamic range, um, like you yeah. mentioned, which which absolutely I could benefit from, um, because yeah, there are times where my when my stuff's under underexposed and stuff, when I have to open it up a little bit, open up the shadows, you do get a little bit of, you know, grain and whatnot that mm -hmm. I, I sure I'm sure a a, a a full frame camera would be able to sure. uh, to manage a bit better. But like I said, my clients are not pixel peepers. Um, I'm not. I can use that money for some some other things later on, though. I would like to really treat myself and buy like a $5,000 camera. But uh, right now, I don't think my car even costs that much. So I got <laughs> to hold off a little bit. I yeah. think you deserve it, man. But uh, <laughs> thanks, man. Uh, yeah, no, I think that this is a great lesson for anyone who's listening and who is hung up on gear and thinking that gear is going to make you a better photographer or what, whatever it is, video, videographer, filmmaker. Um, Sometimes there's a requirement, like you said, but until that time comes, often I'm I'm finding with myself, uh, even in the filmmaking world, it's more of an excuse than anything to not have, you know, I don't have a camera that does 4K 60 frames a second. And I shot a whole documentary on dogs um, and, I and I needed it to be 4K and I decided I'll shoot it all at 24 frames a second. And you know what, it actually, it turned out to be better uh, because I did that. It was more real life. I didn't need to slow anything down because I didn't want it to look like Sarah McLaughlin was going to start coming in and singing yeah. over top. And, you know, I didn't want it to look like that. Um, so it worked to my advantage. But, yeah, I think uh, often uh, we're using that as an excuse to not shoot or to not grow. Um, so it's really refreshing to hear you uh, un unprovoked say I shoot with a kit lens. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, also nothing wrong with, like you said, wanting to upgrade at some point. But um, what would be some of those things that you said you'd put it into marketing? Take that money, 
put it into your business in other ways. Um, what would you do with that money? Uh, when you say marketing, is that um, running ads? Uh, what kind of stuff do you do for like the business growth side? Yeah, so running ads right now, that's really what I mean. Um, just getting my work out in front of people and paying for like the sponsored ads on Instagram has been working really well. Um, I've done some math and I saw, you know, if I put in a certain amount of money, I get a certain amount of, uh, clients booking with me and, um, it's basically just a numbers game at this point. I, 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 it may change, of course, it's going to change with the algorithm and, and the market and, and, you know, the season and, you know, whatever, but um, and when I say the season, I meant like, you know, around Christmas time, it's a little different than, uh, you know, sure. middle of January. But um, it's just basically like a numbers game where if I put in a certain amount of money for the ad, I can almost uh, guarantee that if I'm very conservative with my numbers, it can kind of pay off. Um, and And so when I look at spending money on gear, it just doesn't make sense from a business from a business point of view. Um, it's just like uh, running any other business, right? Um, I think as artists, we get a little caught up because we're work, we're creating art. Some of us yeah. have the bug to buy new gear. We're 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 addicted to buying new gear, and I mm-hmm. I totally understand. I've I've been through that as well. Um, but I'm at this point, I'm trying to like make a living and 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 you know pay bills and whatnot. And so I've got to be wise with the things that I buy. And I got to get real with myself because I could go out and buy a new camera and rationalize in my mind about how this is going to help my business. Yeah. But when I run the numbers, I see that there's a much more efficient way of doing it right now, which is through the marketing and the ads and whatnot. And yeah. so uh, that's that's what I have to do. It's just like, I'm just trying to be a, a smart business person, um, which is, is very smart. You know, I'm not like a, you know, I'm not like a business guru or something. I'm just... I'm trying to learn and I'm trying to be take it seriously as opposed to just saying I do this something as, you know, a hobby or something I do on the side or just the weekends. I'm trying to really make it uh, a thing that can be sustainable long term. And so looking for where I can spend money wisely is important to me. Very smart. Uh, very, very good advice. Um, you mentioned art, uh, being an artist just now, and that was something... That's you know really what this podcast is is meant to be about. It's it's different kind different types of artists um, coming on and sharing their sort of stories. And um, I was curious to ask you how 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 much of an artist does this craft make you feel? Um, I know you've dipped into different types of art in the past. I know you did some music in the past. Um, is this sort of the most fulfilled that you've ever felt as an artist? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think growing up, I always wanted to, to be an artist. Um, I just never had the, 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 the raw talent I feel to be a painter or to draw. And I was really envious of kids in school that could do that. I felt like I, I really wanted to to be able to create that kind of stuff. Um, so when I picked up the camera, I was able to sort of satisfy this this long this this urge that I had for a long time, which was to create, uh, you know, visuals and whatnot. And so I, I feel definitely very satisfied uh, where I'm at now because uh, it's 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 for myself as well but it's also like something very practical that other people can take with them a photo of their dog that's mm-hmm. sort of i like to say that i like to immortalize dogs through art and so it's serving a purpose in that way and so it gives me a sort of uh you know like work satisfaction i get to have that satisfaction as well it's not just art it's also work so i get both types of that satisfaction that's amazing um what does the immortalize dogs through art what exactly does that mean so what that means to me is that, uh, you know, the first dog that I photographed, uh, other than my own, was uh, a friend of mine. Her dog was was sick, and uh, she saw my photos on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and she said, "Hey, like my dog's sick. I need you to capture uh, some photos, like like what you've been doing of your own dog." And uh, I recognized then that it was serving a purpose. I was 
immortalizing them. I was I was making them stick around a little longer than, mm. you know, the uh then of course, you know, a dog's life, which is, you know, 10, 15 years if we're lucky, right? Mm. And so uh I'll I'll be honest, I I do play on that um emotional component in mm -hmm. my marketing and whatnot not so much but with that line i want to that's like my slogan a little bit like you know i immortalize dogs through art i'm playing on the fact that they don't stick around forever and uh that's a scary thing that people don't want to think about of course mm -hmm. like with like mm -hmm. with anything with people you know we all have to have to die but um i just want to give people an opportunity to to capture some great images so that they can hang on to that that um, that memory a little longer. And so when I say that, it's kind of like, uh, you know, memento mori, remember you must die. It's kind of like, a, hey, remember your, your dog's not going to be around forever too. So if this is something you're considering, mm -hmm. now's the time. Because I do have some people, some clients as well who, uh, you know, they message me, hey, I'd like to do this. And then a few months later, I, I might see them posting and say, you know, their dog passed away and they never came around to, to photograph them. And it's sad and I want to... Uh, I wish we could go back and make something happen, but I'm really playing on the fact that, uh, you know, dogs don't live as long as they should. Fortunate, of course. Yeah. But, uh, you know, one thing that we can do is take good photos. And so that's kind of uh, my, admittedly, a little bit of a selfish, sleazy approach to business, but that's business. I don't think so. so. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't think it is because... Um it is like you said uh, people don't really like to think about that stuff and sometimes they wait till it's too late um and i, I think it's such a beautiful thing uh, a tribute beautiful tribute for you to be able to have a professional portrait of your dog forever um you know i'm not a big fan of the uh tax doing taxidermy on your pets because that's a little weird a little too weird for me um seen people do it i don't know so uh, that's funny because there's a uh there's a taxidermy uh place somewhere somewhere up in like orangeville area and i drive past sometimes and i think that's the next level for me <laughs> yeah you, you i don't know man uh maybe you could team up i don't is that a good idea um <laughs> yeah no i think uh i i i know what you're saying it, you do you're definitely playing on the emotions a little bit and and but you know what who as artists that's what we do yeah right what what uh what movie have you ever watched what documentary have you ever watched that isn't playing on the emotions right um and sometimes that's what we need in order to make change in the world um and you are making change in people's lives uh by doing this stuff so yeah i i have no i have no problem with that personally maybe some people would i don't um uh on on the art subject are there any other um i i did mention the music um is being an artist sort of in your blood or did you sort of find it through photography um like you said you always wanted to be an artist um but you didn't necessarily know it would be through photography i assume right no i really didn't i know i Completely overlooked photography in high school. There was photography classes, had no interest in them. It was um, about 10 years ago, I heard uh, uh, Gary V. I read one of his books and he said, uh, visuals are, are going to be everything. And I thought, you know, if I want to stay relevant, right. I've got to pick up a camera and learn how to use this. Right. And I and that's that's really how I started. It was, just came out of like this. He almost like scared me because I used to write a lot. I used to write mm. and I thought, I can't just write. I've got to learn how to how to create visuals if I want to stay relevant with the internet and whatever. You need the visual wanna... to go along with the with the writing, right? Right, right. Or if I want to be, um, you know, employable, I, I, I mm -hmm. it would benefit me to to be able to learn how to use a camera. So that's how I learned, and that's why I found, oh, this can really satisfy my urge to create and play with color and. And from there, because I learned a little bit of Photoshop, I learned a little bit about, you know, color theory and composition. I started to experiment a little bit with like sort of digital paintings and messing around with Photoshop effects and just trying to create cool. um, uh, sort of psychedelic inspired art. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I'm, I'm very inspired by some of the psychedelic experiences that I've had. And my dream would be to somehow express the things that I've seen in into art. And I think uh, the digital art kind of would be the closest uh, way to do that. But uh, it's not something I, I, I sort of sit down and, and, and work too hard at. I just, I gave it a try. Um, I have a couple things that I kind of like, but it's not something, uh, it's not something that's really, uh, important to me as of late. Uh, there are times though, when I go into like a, uh, a gallery, like, and I get like almost emotional, uh, when mm -hmm. I see paintings and I recognize part of it wasn't just the emotion that was being evoked from the paintings. There was a strong feeling of jealousy that there are these artists who can paint and create these things. Wow. And I, I just wish that I could do that. And yeah. um, I think long term, I I can't believe I'm going out and putting this on this record here, but I feel like I might end up being a painter one day. I have no painter skills at all. Nothing. <laughs> wow. But I feel like I, I might Set it end here up, first, man. Let's yeah. uh... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like one day I, I think I, I need to I need to sit down and really get over the learning curve of, mm -hmm. of, of learning how to use the brushes and whatnot. Because there's things that I would like to let out that I think even photography kind of is a limitation. But um, that's that's my whole thing with being an artist. I think um, hmm. I think we're all artists in some way or another. It took me a while that's... to admit that I am an artist. I feel like it's only been the past like a year or so that I kind of can really? say I am an artist. Yeah. Well, yeah. interesting you say that because that is literally one of the main, from a personal standpoint, one of the main reasons I'm doing this podcast as well because I really struggle with that. I really, really struggle with uh, feeling like an artist. Sometimes I feel it, sometimes I don't. I do projects where I feel it and then I lose it. Um, and part of my goal is to talk to people like you to uh, inspire me. And to hear you say that is is super interesting. And to hear that you're you're even thinking about maybe, not to say that you would drop photography, but you may go into a whole other art form down the road, which is to me really inspiring as well. Um, but I really find it interesting, very interesting because I've never heard anyone else, uh, say what you just said. And I literally said it, I don't know if I even made a TikTok about it, but I've been saying this at least to myself and to my wife, Jess, I feel inferior, um, when it comes to certain types of art, because I can't just create it from my imagination, like the painters like you were talking about like i need a camera in order to do it i need a, a subject i need a something to shoot it, you can't when it when it's something on camera i'm i'm sure you get real creative but you you need the tool and with painting for example you only need the brush and the canvas and there's something that's very inspiring to me about that people that can just take just make anything from their imagination. Cause I feel like I don't have that same ability with, um, photography because I need the tool and I need, you know, a subject or whatever. Um, is that sort of what you're saying? Like you have that same sort of thought? Yeah. Photography is a little bit more limiting because you have to deal with what's in front of you. And of course you can put your camera behind a lot of different things, but, mm. um, you're still limited in that way. So, uh, you know, painting, you know, you have infinite possibilities, but you have to have that skill to be able to bring it out. Um, mm -hmm. but, but truly, I really mean this. You're an incredible artist and you're very inspiring to me. I've seen your, Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited for your documentary that's coming out. Uh, John is for the Thanks, dogs. Man. Um, like you mentioned before that you'd filmed in 24 frames per second. And I was looking at it's beautiful cinematography and the small clips that I've seen. So you're absolutely an artist, your music, Thank incredible. You. Thank Incredible. You. I listen to your music quite regularly. Yeah. Feed wolves. Awesome stuff, man. Yeah. Oh, so don't, don't, thanks, uh, I, I, I know what it's like to feel like you're not an artist, but I mean, yeah. if you look at your, uh, your, your resume, it's you're hundred percent an artist, man. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's strange, right? Like I really do appreciate those, those compliments, um, and that you're our only fans and, and, uh, our parents. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, a couple friends, but <laughs> Uh, but no, like, uh, yeah, I, I, it, I know that you know what it feels like to, um, not feel like an artist. And I know that, uh, a lot of people out there, um, maybe someone will stumble upon this and, and 
have that same, like they've been thinking the same thing. And um, it's just good to know, I think that there, there's a lot of us out there feeling like, like that. Um, right. Because when you look at, I think social media, for me, social media is damaging in that way. Um, because you look at it and you go, oh man, this person clearly knows, they clearly have it figured out as an artist, right? Yeah. And maybe not even even in art, you can look at anyone's life that they put on social media and it looks like they have all their shit figured out. Yeah, but they only curated. post the best. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. It's like, um, it's, in that way, they're an, they're an artist at putting together a little gallery of their <laughs> that's life. Fair. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So yeah. I, think it's, I think it's important. That's another reason that we're here um, is, is to talk about this stuff openly. Um, and we need to be okay with just saying like, I don't feel like an artist sometimes. And, um, and then we need people like you to come on and say, look at, I only have felt like an artist for a year. Um, because what did you feel? I mean, legit, what did you feel before that then? What was going through your mind yeah, before so that? I, I wanted year? to ask you this. So I guess we're speaking about imposter syndrome here, right? We are not, not feeling like an artist, but I wanted to ask if you, when you first began, did you feel like an artist? And what I mean by that is when I first began and I was taking a few photos of trees and like plants and like close-ups of like a leaf on the ground and like a skyline. Yeah. I, I quite literally created a, uh, uh, what would it be called? A portfolio online. And I was uploading these photos and I had put that uh, you can buy a print. And I saw online that people were selling, uh, pricing prints as a whole, you know, we could talk about that all day, but people are selling, you know, an eight by 10, 50 bucks. And I thought, okay, people can order prints for me, 50 bucks. And uh, looking back, I quite literally was a delusional artist. Um, the photos were blurry. There were nothing original, nothing technical, <laughs> nothing. It was just like, yeah like this uh, just delusion. And I think there is a, there is like a, a Reddit page called like delusional artists. And I was a hundred percent one of those people. And uh, wow. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I was just super excited and super passionate about this. And that was translating over into my like, uh, you know, delusion of people thinking that people were going to pay me for this and whatnot, right. whatever. But right. I think I found something that um, I, I stuck with. And I think the passion kind of brought me through to where I am now, you know, uh, six, six years later or something like that. But, um, through that journey, there was a point where I recognized I was delusional and then I went totally into being an imposter and I was just like, holy shit. Like, uh, mm. I am, I don't know what I'm doing. Wow. I don't know why anybody would like my work and you start beating yourself up and stuff. Right. Yeah. And it's only in the past year or so that I kind of feel confident enough to say I am an artist. And so I went on this like uh, a bit of a roller coaster when it comes to this idea of feeling like an artist. Um, I don't know if that's very common for people who start out as as uh, photographers to think that yeah. uh, you know they're uh, you know like this, your master photographers or something in the way I did, you know, making a website or whatever with like just right. a whole lot of random yeah random uh photos and you get but, excited uh, at first right yeah. of course you got a camera you get excited um and i guess the, the delusional part comes from uh, you thinking that someone would buy it is that what you mean yeah yeah thinking that it was like somebody would put this on their wall right um I, I, because I, I, <laughs> are you an artist yet like i guess my my question would be yeah. were you an artist though like, it, you know, you've got this delusional artist subreddit and then you, are they delusional only because they think people will buy the art or, but are they right. still an artist? Right. Can I we, guess, I, I guess that that's, that could be very, it could be debated, um, you know, it's forever. It's kind of subjective, I guess. Right. Exactly. Right? I mean, some people may, may have looked at my photos and said it was, it was awesome and they, and they don't know why I'm not charging more, <laughs> but, <right>. um, but <laughs> you know, that's the beauty of art is that we have that freedom to create and um, it doesn't have to necessarily be something that everybody likes. And so I would never, I, I can look back and laugh at my own work, but when I see another person who's, you know, in the same kind of vein um, on their journey, I just, as long as you're having fun, you know, 
and that's if you it. keep at it, you can't help but improve. And that's what happened to me. And I think that momentum that I had when I first started out, what's being so excited and so passionate about it, to the point where I was kind of maybe expecting that people would really, really like my work. Yeah. But that passion kind of fueled the whole journey moving forward. And uh, I, I appreciate those those days of, of naivete. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, you, you've got to, right? Um, do you look back at your that photography and and think like, oh man, I had, like you, you said, there's some blurry stuff, whatever. Um, do you look back and, and say like, oh, I had no idea what I was doing? Or do you look at it and go like, okay, I can see there's potential there. Like, I, I you know, you had a natural, like you can, I, I mean, I used to teach photography. You can tell when someone's got the natural sort of the eye for it. Do you look back at your old stuff and, and you can see that in it? Right, I think so. Yeah, there was um, there were some photos that I I remember experimenting with with the lighting. I didn't understand lighting, but I was just looking at it and trying to to create something unique and different. Yeah, and so I had the raw sort of uh, eye for it. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any of the technical things. I couldn't explain to you what hard light was or anything like that. But I just saw that this looks a little cool. It looks different, and so I did have that kind of in there. Um. I I remember trying to, I remember I had just got a, a 50 millimeter 1.8 and I didn't understand what aperture was. I didn't understand what 1.8 was, but somebody had told me that this is a lens where you can get, you know, that bokeh, that really blurry background. And so I took a bunch of photos with it and the photos were, there was nothing sharp in the photos. It was all blurry. And I thought that's what it was supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And so there's like one of the first photos I took of my dog. It's, there's literally nothing sharp in it at all. And I thought this was bokeh. And I thought, oh, it's, <laughs> it's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and and so like it was, uh, I was very, very innocent w with my approach, but I was just yeah. having so much fun. I was really having so much fun. Yeah. Which is the key. So there, you got to remember that, that that's where you started, right? And it, you started out having fun. And then at some point, I guess it became a job, but um that's what I always try to remind myself of too. There was a reason that I got into photography and video. And I actually think back to my childhood and I had the Handycam out all the time. We were making videos. My parents were kind enough to give the kids the Handycam and just do what you want with it kind of thing. Um, but I think I've just had a passion for it all along. And then it's crazy that the imposter can come in so hard even when I'm like fairly established and be like, you're trash. Like you're, you're port some days I'll look at my portfolio and I'm like, this is no good. And then some days, some days I'll go on, I'll look at him like, this is great. And you know what I find? I don't know if this is true for you, but I don't tell me if you do, <laughs> tell me if you do this or not. I, I can't be the only one. When I send some, send my portfolio say to someone and they write me back and they say, we love your work. We want to book you or say, say I send like a couple example, like video examples or something. We, we love it. We want to work with you. I'll go back and I'll look at the portfolio and be like, yeah, this is, this is really good. And if I don't get that response, I'll have the opposite response. Like my, myself, I'll look at it again and I'll be like this. No, this is trash. Like it, I have so much of what other people think affects how I think about my work. And I think that's something I want to work on. I want to be able to work on the, like having the confidence to know, like, I like it. And I was just talking uh, uh, with Zach Dobson on the previous podcast. And he is that guy that like, he doesn't give a shit what anyone thinks. If he likes it, that's good enough for him. And I want, I'm constantly striving to get to that place. Um, do you feel that as well? Like, do you have that feeling? Are you there in your photography career where you're like, if I like it, that's good enough for me. I don't care if anyone else likes it. Or personal work. For yes. Personal. Cause for, for personal clients, work. I know it's different cause you need to please it's a little your different. Clients. Yeah. But there are clients who just come and they say, you're the photographer. They, they might even straight up say, they're like, I don't know what's good. You yeah. are, you're the photographer. I just trust that you're going to create something that you like. And if you like it, then it must be good. And um, I, I like that. But um, 
do I still care about other people's opinions of my work? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, healthy, like a healthy version of it or a, an unhealthy I, version? I Mine's like unhealthy, it, I think. <laughs> right, right. I've definitely been there. Um, I think I, I'm a huge fan of Gary Vee. He's been like really important uh, for my development as an artist, as a, as a creative, as a business person as well, like some of the things he shares. And one thing he shares is like, you know, you can have a hundred people praising your work, but if there's just one person who just says something that, you know, you don't, that isn't positive, they could even say something neutral and that's going to be the one person you focus on. You know, you mm. don't want to please them and you're going to ignore the hundred people that love you yeah. and that are ready to to support you and, and, and work with you. And you're going to try and please that one person. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, that's a normal, you know, human bias that we have. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we have to kind of override actively by recognizing that this is not going to help me. Um, if I, if I put too much attention on this, this, you know, one individual, for example, and like, it, it's been like that. Um, sometimes if I run an ad, I may get, cause you know, my ads go out to thousands of people. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you might get some smart person who comes and writes a funny comment or tries to get some laughs out of other people and, and at your expense or at my expense. Right. And, um, which is, seems to be more like more common on ads from what I've seen when people are running ads. I don't know why. Right, right. I think it's, uh, I think ads are fair game as well because, you know, it's marketing, it's, it's business people, salesy, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. like more of a fair game. Um, I can't fault anybody for expressing themselves online. That's the beauty of being online and social media, but I'm not going to lie and pretend that it doesn't, uh, you know, it, it, it fuel that imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, that's that's part of the game as well. Like I think there's a lot of growth that happens being an artist. Uh, we got to work through those insecurities um, that that translate over into other aspects of our lives as well. And mm -hmm. so lately, like I said, it's only been about a year where I really kind of feel confident in my work and in saying that I'm an artist, I'm a photographer. Um, and I feel like that's kind of translated over into my overall self-esteem as well. Um, because before, you know, being a person without like a uh, traditional career or job, um, you know, telling somebody I'm a photographer was kind of like a, almost like, oh no, now they're going to ask me if I'm doing it full time. And then I have to say, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> and like it became this thing. But now I feel confident in saying, yeah, I'm an artist, I'm a photographer. And, and it's, uh, I, it's helped my overall self esteem and confidence just in life in general. And then that's wow. been, it's been a journey for sure. So you, you actually, you, you, you say I'm an artist, I'm a photographer. You, you will, you're, you're confident enough to, to use that, that term. I, I typically would say I photograph dogs usually, but, um, I'm, I'm comfortable with saying I'm an artist. Yeah. Yeah. I think, that's uh, great. I think saying I'm an artist, I would hope that they maybe, then maybe somebody would ask to see my work and then I can show my work, which at this point I am proud of. I'm mm -hmm. proud of and I like to show it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, the, the strange thing I think about photography is, um, it doesn't, it doesn't always end up in that traditional art, um, category, right? It doesn't, not every photographer feels like they're an artist, what every single painter feels like they're an artist. Um, so I don't, I haven't quite figured out why that is. That could be related to what I was talking about earlier with the fact that you need the tool. Um, you need the subject. It's not coming straight directly from your imagination. So there's this like, but that doesn't mean that it's less art. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure that out. I, I do think though, um, especially with someone like yourself who has developed a style. There's something to be said about the, the style and developing a style. I really do think that you become more of an artist as you develop that style. Do you think you would feel the same way if you didn't have a, a clear sort of style? And I think that's all that also includes your gels that you were talking about, right? With you, right. you kind of do light painting in a way uh, mm -hmm. with, with your colors. I think that's that's absolutely something that uh, contributed to me feeling like an artist. And I think the reason that people don't always consider photography to be an art might be because everyone has a camera and everyone does take pictures. 
um, mm -hmm, whether mm -hmm. they're for artistic purposes or just to show somebody, you know, what's going on or whatever, um, we all are taking photos, right? And so yeah. it, it becomes a little bit of a, uh, a gray area whether, you know, we could say, are, are, is it art if I'm taking a photo of something to show my friend about, you know, what I just bought or whatever? You know, we could argue that it is art. You could argue that it isn't. But mm -hmm. style is what uh, sort of separates uh, your work from just any other photo or snapshot. If you have style, then um, that's something repeatable. It's something unique. It's something consistent as opposed to, um, you know, all, all my clients take photos of their dogs themselves, right? But they come to me for my style. They come to me for my style as an artist. And they may not consider themselves to be artists when they're photographing their dogs. So maybe mm -hmm. that's what it is, right? We, all painters might consider themselves to be artists because maybe not everyone paints. Photography is such a new, it's a new uh, medium that, you know, we're all doing it. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you have style or, uh, you know, a, a particular set of skills that you're able to, to, to create images that not everybody can create, I think that, that, that earns you a little bit more of uh, the title of artist. Um, I shouldn't put it that way. I shouldn't say it earns you the title of artist. I'll put it, I'll just speak for myself and say that it it gave me more permission to give myself that title of an artist. Yeah, that's totally fair, man. That's totally fair. Um, you talked earlier about uh, uh, different types of photography, um, but you don't really necessarily post it. Um, is that something that you're looking at expanding in the future? Um, do you see yourself just sticking with the dog niche? What about cats? Have you <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but I mean, you could, I guess. But yeah, is yeah. It, is that something that, that you would be uh, looking at doing? And, and if you did that, would you completely niche those separate things as well? Because I know you did create a por um, portrait page at some point. Yeah, so speaking about cats specifically, I, I do photograph cats um, rarely. I just don't promote it um, because a lot of people's cats don't leave the house or if they do i also don't right. feel 100% as confident as i would working with dogs in in, in capturing great images mm -hmm. uh, because cats are you know they just do their own thing so so they that's do. why I, I i don't really uh post about it but i do like cats and and when they do pose they pose really beautifully and sometimes we'll give them catnip and they'll they'll get a little stoned and and kind of lounge around yeah so they're fun to photograph but um get those psychedelic colors going <laughs> yeah yeah, so I actually have a cat uh, coming this weekend with um, with three ad three dogs and a cat. So it should be an interesting, exciting wow. shoot. Um, That's funny. <laughs> Take yeah. some behind the scenes of that one. You never know. Yeah, what, it's gonna happen. be it's gonna be pretty crazy. Hopefully, the I'm mostly concerned about the cat cooperating, but um, yeah. sometimes sometimes they're they're great. Um, but I yeah I, I photograph other things too. Like um, I started off doing a lot of headshots. So I uh, had uh, learned a lot of headshot work from Peter Hurley online. Um, he's an excellent headshot photographer. So I kind of took his methods and techniques and, and ran with it. And uh, so I was doing headshots and I was enjoying it for the most part. But um, the dogs were just far more excited, exciting for me. So I kind of put headshots aside. And I'll do the odd headshot now and then if I get sort of word of mouth or whatever, if I, if I feel like it or if it's, it's a friend or something like that, I'll, I'm happy to do that. Um, at some point I would like to get into more, uh, landscape work, um, in a, so in combination with travel that I hope to do, you know, when, when this lockdown ends and whatnot. So I'd like to travel with my camera, create landscape work and maybe just maybe sell some prints and kind of pay for my travels or pay for a part of my travels in that way as a business person. Um, I think that would just be, create a nice like little uh, cycle where work is play and play is work and it's all kind of blending together and, and, and whatnot. Um, that's kind of like a fantasy right now with COVID and whatnot. I'm just like dying to go travel somewhere and, and, and totally take some, some landscape photos. Um, so that's something I like to do. I, I do the odd, like, um, uh, portrait session as well maybe family portraits events and whatnot with um usually it's uh clients that i, I photograph their dog and then they may have uh 
you know some event or whatever coming up and they'd like they like me to to photograph the event too but that as well i don't really promote it that much i did try to create another instagram where i posted exclusively portrait work mm-hmm. and then you know this covid lockdown all this kind of stuff happened and it kind of killed the uh the whole yeah photography thing and i lost momentum with that yeah um but uh i, I do i love all types of photography it's just i found something in the dogs that uh just kind of works out well in terms of a niche i can i can it's something unique and different um there's a lot of dog people on instagram as well like with their dog pages and whatnot yeah for sure and um and uh sometimes working with people admittedly can be a little difficult too so there's there's a lot of a lot of plus sides working with dogs you know the one of the rules in film is uh don't work with animals or kids so you've (laughs) broken that rule Really, I, uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. So you 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 just said uh, it's easier to work with dogs than people, which completely opposite of that rule. But I kind of get it because, I mean, from the outside looking in to your photography, it does look like you um, really have the ability to. I, I you don't see any panicked dogs in your photos. Um, you always seem to get them calm. Um, so I'm assuming that you're a bit of a dog whisperer at this point as well, um, with meeting new dogs, getting them comfortable for the shoot. I'm sure you've got your tactics, um, as someone who owns dogs and may want to do, uh, some shoots of of my own at home. Uh, you have any tips for, uh, you know, just basic at home dog photography? Yeah. So because you're an, uh, you're a photographer already and a great one at that, Thank you. This tip will, I think, be all that you need. It's just dedicate an hour and a half just to photographing your dog. It's not a quick thing. It's yeah, not a just dedicate minute. a full hour and a half and see what you come up with. I think that is the uh, the the biggest thing because wow. when we photograph our dog, for example, with our phone, it's usually like a a thirty second thing and it's over. And so I can guarantee that if anybody were to just take their cell phone and go outside with their dog in their backyard or whatever, and just dedicate literally an hour, an hour and a half just to photographing their dog, whether they have any photography skills or not, they would come up with great photos. It just, Mm -hmm. it takes time because over that time you, you, the dog kind of gets, understands the game, right? We give them treats. If they pose, they, they get it. You sort of feel out the dog's mannerisms you feel out kind of um how they pose what angles are best um some dogs they you know when they sit or lay down because of their hips they kind of look weird and goofy and and they don't look as majestic as you know you might envision them and so you Mm got to find the right angles where they do look the way that you like and that takes time and so just dedicating like a good chunk of time to photographing the dog exclusively you'll Mm -hmm. get great photos great photos um, that's really one of my major, uh, um, I, I guess you could say it's a secret. It's like people are coming to me, clients are coming to me because I photograph dogs and it's what I do, but it's also because like, it's like a dedicated time window where it's like, that's all we're going to do. Yeah. And I'm blocking that time off. We're going to block it off together. And that's what we're going to do together. There's it's kind of like, um, it's kind of a weird analogy, but it's kind of like if you have like a gym partner. No, your gym partner holds you accountable, so you're going to mm-hmm. dedicate that time to go to the gym or to work right. out or whatever. Right. And it's like coming to me, I'm like the gym partner. We're going to dedicate this time and we're going to photograph your dog nonstop for an hour and a half. And <laughs> your dog is going to get antsy. They're going to get bored. They're going to get tired. And we're going to just poop them out. And at the end, it's going to be all worth it. And uh, so that's, that is kind of... Um, my my approach is just dedication to the uh, the full session. So give that a try, and I'm that's sure huge. you'll create like great great images for sure. That's a huge that's a huge tip, and I think that applies to most types of photography, not just dogs. Right? Um, we live in this uh, society now where we want everything super quick, and even me when I've done home shoots with my dogs before um they start to get impatient i go oh yeah we got it like it's good enough um 
so that's a huge tip for me. And I think for, for anyone out there who's listening, um, take the time, just get, take the time. And like you said, it can even be on your phone, but the, the longer you take, um, with anything, the better the result's going to be, you know, with this documentary that I did, the longer that I sat with John, the more juicy stuff that came out, the more, the more, uh, stories that came. Right. So, um, it's with anything, I think, anything creative. You just have to give it the time, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're right. It is with really anything. Even um, landscape photography, right? Subtle changes can, can, can make or break an image or take it to another level. But those changes, yeah. we only notice them when we really sit down and, uh, and, and say, I'm going to just photograph this one landscape for half an hour. I'm going to let the sun set and we're going to get stuff while the while the sun is up sun setting and then maybe yeah. there's some some cool stuff at night too same same location mm -hmm. if we dedicate the time to do that and i think that's maybe one thing that separates like a a a a skilled photographer from the average person is maybe the average person just just doesn't put in the time and i don't mean it in a way of like they're being lazy it's just like if if they were to just say i'm not going to do anything but take photos for the next half an hour they'd come up with great stuff too you have no mm -hmm. choice. You have no choice. You're forced to try different things and get creative and, and learn on the spot. So I really love that tip, man. I think that's a super valuable tip. And you provided a lot of very valuable uh, insight, not only to me, to others out there, but um, especially from the artistic standpoint, the artistic lens. Um, I really appreciate your, your insight and, and appreciate what you do for your art, um, but also coming on here um, sharing it, being honest and vulnerable, vulnerable, man. Um, it's, it's really awesome. I really appreciate it. And I know I've, I've kept you over an hour, so we'll wrap it up, but I would love for you to come back on sometime down the road and, uh, we'll do this again sometime. That's sure. Good? Yeah. Anytime, man. I, I, I really enjoyed my time with you today and I, I really appreciate the chance to come and chat with you here. This is great what you got Thanks, going man. on. And, uh, there's a lot of artists out there that are going to benefit from, from the messages that you're, that you're sharing here. Um, I know you. throughout my journey, definitely throughout my journey, hearing things like, you know, like what we're talking about would, would have really helped, uh, during those times where, you know, you don't feel so, so confident in what, and what's going on, but, uh, for sure, it's, man. it's good that, uh, that you're doing this. I really appreciate it, man. Of course, man. So, uh, and again, thank you for coming on. Um, tell everyone, uh, again, where they can find you. I'm going to link everything obviously in descriptions, wherever, but, um, just in case anyone's listening, let them know where they can find you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram, Brent De Silva, and online brentdesilva.com. That's B-R-E-N-T-D-S-I-L-V-A.com. And that's my website. You can find, uh, you can find me, you can find all my socials and whatnot from my website. So it's pretty simple. Yeah. And I look forward to connecting with y'all. Thank you. And, uh, your GTA, right? Greater Toronto area. Yeah. Um, Brampton. Yeah. So I'm based in Brampton and, okay. um, yeah, I serve the GTA. Yeah. Perfect. So if you've got a dog, you want to get some pro shots done, you're in the GTA. It's well worth your time uh, to go go visit Brent. Uh, you won't regret it. And you do prints, by the way. I wanted to touch on the prints, but we'll get to that next time. But um, you'll see as soon as you walk in, or you'll see it on some of his videos on Instagram too. You got the prints all up in the wall, and they look sick when you print them out. So um, Thanks, man. Thanks again, man. And uh, we'll do this again sometime soon. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, buddy.